Reading in Bed. The Inter-Ocean, October the 17th, 1909. An older woman was reproving a girl for the habit of reading in bed. She had talked at length on the evil effects on the eyes, its danger of slothfulness, and the injury of burning midnight oil. No prudent, well-trained girl would ever be guilty of such silliness, she ended. The girl listened politely but unconvinced. It may be all that you say, she replied, but I am willing to take the risk and be thought silly for the happiness of that hour of bedtime reading. I look forward to it all day. What true lover of books will not sympathize? No amount of legitimate reading has half the charm of the hour when lights are all out in the house, every duty done for the day. We settle down to blissful enjoyment of our favorite author. The very fact that this enjoyment may be nipped by ruthless pounding of the maternal hand upon the door and stern commands to put out that light instantly and go to sleep makes us read more eagerly. It is up to the one who indulges in this fascinating idiosyncrasy to see to it that it does not do her the harm prophesied. Naturally, most of such reading is darn cold nights, as mosquitoes are stronger arguments against burning of midnight oil in summer than any wiseacres can offer. See to it that bad colds do not follow in the wake of your habit. Have a warm dressing sack to slip over the shoulders and leave an extra layer of bed covering to prevent chill after the light is out. The chief harm from reading in bed comes from poor light. Few houses are built with a gas jet over the bed. There is danger of eye strain from distant lights, often defected by the footboard. Where a house is lit by electricity, this is easily remedied by a portable bulb. With gas, the remedy lies in changing position of bed, if possible, or in having a couch near the light and using that until overcome by sleep. Unless you are sure of not falling asleep over your book, do not have candle or lamp by the bed. The danger of fire is great with both, and the fumes of coal oil the night through is unwholesome. Do not select books of very fine print for your bedtime reading, and do not continue to read after you are sleepy. Use judgment in your favorite pursuit. To read until three or four o'clock in the morning is harmful, as no one knows better than the guilty reader herself next day. An hour or even two hours of reading in bed if one retires at 10 or soon after, will not hurt a normally healthy woman. More than that is robbing her of needful rest and is as much dissipation as any other habit that keeps one up to all hours. Keep a watch beside you and read to a certain time and no more. Stick to this rule no matter in what thrilling paragraph it cuts you short and you will feel few bad effects of your bedtime reading. Now, The Aeroplane Face, Chicago Examiner, 
October the 25th, 1908. Squinting eyes, overgrown nose, and head bulging between the ears, says Professor D. Pralo. The aeroplane face has just been discovered and described by Professor Di Pralo, a London phrenologist who points out the strange new features of this countenance and has deduced what it will develop into. Everybody remembers the famous bicycle face which appeared and disappeared with the two-wheeled craze. After this came another, the automobile face. The aeroplane physiognomy differs from both the older ones in all particulars but one. The tremendous nervous strain which distorted the bicyclist's features and those of the motor maniac is even more prominent in the human birds. In M. Henry Farman, the nerve currents have furrowed and wrinkled his face until he looks as if in constant pain. The muscles of his face are never at rest, and the ever-present cigarette is continuously in motion from the unconscious movements of the aviator's lips. Another characteristic that marks the type is the anxious sidelong glance. The motorist stares fixedly straight ahead. The cyclist with head down stares out under his eyebrows. The aviator's troubles are not ahead of him, but at the side. There are no bumps in his road to steer around and no other air vehicles to avoid. Disaster may come to the aeroplane in the form of a little squall or a gust from the side. A gust from in front does no harm. A puff striking the planes on the side will overturn the machine unless the aviator is quick enough with his levers to recover its equilibrium. Every instant the rider of the aeroplane must watch the tips of trees for a sudden bending that warns him of coming trouble. Just as the sailor, in his more stable craft, keeps an eye out for squalls approaching over the water. The sudden rolling of a paper on the grass, the flapping of a woman's skirt, or two or three men grabbing their hats at the same time are warnings that must not be missed. If a bird in the vicinity suddenly flutters and wheels in midair, it means that an air eddy is probably approaching, and in a few seconds the aeroplane will be affected. From one side to the other, the aeronaut's eyes dart with unceasing movement. Human eyes, being both in the front of the head, have not the advantage of birds' arrangement of one eye on each side. The bird keeps an eye on each side without effort or turning of the head. It is noticeable in the Wright brothers, Leon Delagrange, Santos Dumont, and all the other human birds except Mr. Farman that their eyes are not exactly in the front, but more at an angle than normal. When the earth is 50 or 60 feet below you, the eyes are of no value for balance, and besides, they are busy looking for trouble on each side. The muscular sense is of little use when the muscles are in action, as they often are when several levers must be worked at once. All aeroplanists seem to have that breadth of forehead above the eyebrows, which denotes always constructive ability. Nobody who was not a natural-born lover of mechanics would endure the mechanical worries and problems that flying involves. There is also a bulging of the forehead over the eyes, a sign of daring and unbounded confidence. Great nervous energy is also shown by this swelling. 
The fearful nervous strain of flight would discourage the normal man after one attempt, and if he persisted, he would quickly be a nervous wreck. A general expression of benevolence with imaginative and emotional qualities is strongly marked, suggesting the faces of certain famous evangelists. But like the latter, the intellectual qualities are not strongly developed.